Now, something funny happened in our house this morning, as you can probably imagine. Because Jeanette and I got up pretty early and the Holy Spirit did something. Now, as a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I don't want to wait until Pentecostal Sunday. Holy Spirit wanted to do a whole lot of stuff last week. And it started. Holy moly, you should have seen the, dream, the, the visions I had before last Sunday. It was absolutely unbelievable. And actually, the Holy Spirit wants to do stuff 24-7, not just on Pentecost Sunday. But Pentecost Sunday is really important because on Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the birth of the Christian church. Right? It happened. It happened in Acts chapter 2. That's when the Christian church was inaugurated. It's worth celebrating, isn't it? And you know what? The Lord spoke to me during the week and he said, I want you to read through the whole of the book of Acts. It's, I don't know, 22 chapters. Now, I can't do that here, obviously. I was meant to do that at home, right? And preach on it. So far, I've got 31 points and I'm only halfway through. So I realised there's no way in this wide world I'm going to get through the whole of the book of Acts. And in fact, we might wind up doing the same with the book of Acts that we did with the book of Revelation and go through bit by bit over a long period of time. But I I want to start sharing because, see, man, this is all real. Christianity is not a theory. It's not a story. It's not a feeling. It's an empowerment. And that's why the Holy Spirit was sent to actually empower us to be the people God wants us to be and to do the things God wants us to do, right? That's the point. We can't do it on our own. Look, I was sharing yesterday when we we had our brekkie. Oh, mate, you know what? There's still a couple of pancakes left over and I had pancakes for lunch and for dinner. (laughs) Man, they were pretty good, eh? You know why? Because I made the batter on Friday night and left it in the fridge overnight. That's why. Anyway. And one of the things I was sharing yesterday was, I'm a shy boy from the bush. You have no idea what I was like before the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. Seriously, you've got no idea. Pardon? Less loud. Less loud. <laughs> You're right. I wasn't as loud. You can turn me down. You've got the... You can turn me down. You can turn me off even. I was less loud. (laughs) I was as shy as. And I can't even begin to describe to you how stressed out I was whenever I had to be in other people's company. I used to get diarrhoea before a job interview. I'm not joking. Don't laugh. It's not funny. It's not funny. Before I got my first academic job at Lincoln University in New Zealand, I can even remember how many times I had to go to the loo before I did my interview. It was really scary. Even before I got my job over here at, um, at USQ in Toowoomba. Same thing. I was so scared. I was really scared of men because when I was growing up, only my mum ever had friends at home. My dad was a recluse. I can't remember him ever having invited a man into our household. 
ever. So I had this kind of man phobia. I felt I could only like talk to women. <laughs> when I left school, I had to get a job because I wanted to go to university. And um, I got a job in the Commonwealth Bank. I used to be so sick. I ended up having to go to the doctor eh, and get injections of vitamins or something or other. I was just so shy. It was dreadful and depressed. I'll tell you why, because not only did I have stress, which is a kind of episodic thing, but I had anxiety as well, which is that prolonged sense of worry and the fear that something's gonna go wrong. And of course, if you have anxiety for long enough, it usually transforms into depression, right? And I've been there. There's nothing more lonely than being depressed, even in a big crowd. There's nothing more. And, and, and it got me really badly. When I was 32, and I've shared some of this with you guys, but I can remember, see, you hide it. People had no idea. I used to go to work early in the morning, shut the door of my office and collapse in a heap on the floor and just cry. And then I'd pull myself together and go and do a class and go back into my office. And it wasn't until I got so sick that it was impossible to do anything and I finally went to my head of department after I'd been seeing a psychiatrist and everything. He said, oh, I had no idea. No one had any idea because I functioned. I did everything to tick the box. I'll tell you what, that night that I went to that little tiny church down there in, in Christchurch with about 25 people in it, my friend... Uh, took me there one night. There's a little Maori band at the front. You know how they play hey, runga chuka, runga chuka, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> About three chords, which is just like country music, by the way. And I think there's only two chords in country music. Oh, no, I love country music because I can sing it. <laughs> two chords is only about five notes. But I remember, I will never forget. I will never forget that. He took me right up the front, hey. And this little band started singing. I can't remember what they were singing. But I opened my mouth and I could feel all that sad life. It, you know how the Bible talks about a river of life? That was my river of death. It was coming up and it went out. I could feel it just going out into the atmosphere. God was doing a work in me. I went home and Jeanette thought I'd gone totally mad. Just, well, you can ask her later if I'm still mad. Don't tell me what she says, though. <laughs> she came to church the next week just to check it out to make sure I wasn't doing something silly, and she got hit as well. We've never been the same since. I can tell you absolutely without any doubt, we've never been the same since. Never been the same since. Because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And it changed my life incontrovertibly and irreversibly. You know, for various reasons, I'm not able to have a full night's sleep at the moment. It's just a little physical thingy I've got, right? And I'm in the, the waiting, right, for healing. So after four or five hours, that's usually it. 
And I often listen to podcasts. And I was listening to a podcast this morning. Wow. And, and this guy was talking about, he was actually talking about anxiety in the workplace. He's just written a book about, and particularly related to how COVID has impacted levels of anxiety in workplaces. And uh, <laughs> he got to the point where he's saying, what can you do all about this? And he was talking about the stress and the anxiety and the depression and everything. He said, okay, there's a few things you can do. And this nearly made me cry, eh? Because this is what the Lord showed me along to. See, I'm very susceptible to depression right now. Right? I'm healed. But God told me the devil isn't going to get at you through your physical body. He's going to get at you through your mind. You know, and that's how he did it to Eve, remember? Did God say? Satan's there ready to say to me. Then the Bible says I'm a conqueror, more than a conqueror. The Bible says I'm victorious. Really? Is that really what the Word of God says? Are there some circumstances under which that's not true? That's what Satan does. Mind. For me, for other people, it will be different things. This is what the joker said, and this is what the Lord showed me many, many years ago. You've got to get good sleep. Pretty easy. I mean, in theory, but sleep. And I've learned I cannot allow myself to get to the point where I've got a big sleep deficit. Because then my capacity to defend myself against the lies of the devil is at its lowest. Next thing, food. Eat sensible food, right? So buy kettle cooked chips instead of, (laughs) (laughs) you know, baked, not fried. (laughs) Joking. I'm just joking. (laughs) Oh, don't drink almond milk. That's terrible stuff. (laughs) But eat proper food. Eat proper food. And Jeanette and I, for years now, we, we, we make up a, a fruit and veggie smoothie in the morning. Do you ever have to drink some of them, Jerusha, yeah. when you were living with us? Do you still do it? <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> so we still do them. So we have our, like, our five fruits and our five veggies with, for our brekkie. Most days, not every day. Often on a Sunday we don't. That's our day off. And the other thing is exercise. Man, it is amazing what exercise will do for the mind. Absolutely amazing. A couple of other things, and I'm going to get to my main point soon. The other thing he said was this. Get up and do something. You start your day with a routine that prepares you for the day ahead. And I'll tell you what, about probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, I suppose it would be now, when I was asked to take on the role of Dean of the Faculty of Business at the University of Southern Queensland. 10,000 students, 221 staff, operating budget of just over $20 million. I said to the Lord, I said, tell me how to manage all this. You know, tell me, and I, and I was kind of expect because I'm a man of faith now, right? I'm expecting God to download like a management manual. <laughs> you know, like a big thick book. <laughs> you know what he said? He just gave me two words, right? love and wisdom 
Love people. Use the wisdom of God. That's it. And that became my little touchstone. You know what? Every day when I get out of bed, I'm going to love people. And you know, half of the world is full of people who are unlovable. (laughs) I'm going to love people. And I'm going to access the wisdom of God. It's amazing. I remember after I left USQ, one of the staff I used to do a lot of work with, she said, I used to love it when you came to meetings. I said, why was that, Sue? She said, because you used to just kind of cock your head, look at the ceiling, and then you'd have a solution. Well, you know what was going on, don't you? It was, hey, Holy Spirit, I need a bit of wisdom. We never made a mistake. We never made a mistake. God spoke to me one year in August. I was actually sitting in Brisbane in a church conference and God said, go and renew your passport because you're going to travel. No, sorry. He said, go and get an Amex card because you're going to travel. So I did. A couple of months later, he said, go and renew your passport because you're going to travel. A few months later, I'm sitting in another meeting, get a phone call. Hey, Rod, can you go to China and Dubai uh, in, in, in two weeks' time? Sure I can. God prepared me for it. And I can remember I got on that plane and all of a sudden, all that old anxiety and fear came back. I said, I was never going to travel internationally because I was too scared to. I didn't want to have to deal with different languages and different cultures and, and authorities. and That's too scary for me. I'm sitting at the back of the plane. That's near the toilets, just in case you want to know. <laughs> Tell you what, though, the other thing, good thing about sitting at the back of the plane is you, you hear the cabin staff chatting when, when it's not too busy. You hear some really interesting things, let me tell you. you could just, I could just about write a book. Oh, sorry, Dougal, he's a pilot. <laughs> but you're up the other end, mate. You don't hear most of what I hear. Anyway, I sat there and all of a sudden I thought to myself, hang on a minute, God put me here. So she's not going to leave me. And I'll tell you what, after that, I travelled. I, I, I have no idea how often I travelled. I know that there was one, one year when between June and December, I was out of the country for 26 weeks and I was away from home in other parts of the country for about 10 weeks, 36 weeks. No, that can't be right. Half a half a, half a year is 13 weeks. And it was about another ten, uh, six weeks. In other, I was only like home for a few days or at most a couple of weeks at a time. I was troubleshooting. In fact, at one point, no, I won't say this because this is being recorded, but um, (laughs) I was actually in physical danger at one point as a representative at my university in a a foreign country. But I just had confidence in God because I had the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, everywhere you go, take a copy of the address you need to go to in the local language. And there were quite a few times when planes were late or whatever and I got to an airport after midnight, there's no one around. Taxi drivers in foreign countries don't speak your language, let me tell you. That's why they're taxi drivers. But I could go to a taxi driver and I could put this piece of paper up in front of them and they knew where to go. That's just a little thing, a little wisdom thing from the Holy Spirit. Listen, and... Um, the other thing this guy said and it just brought tears to my eyes because I figured this out a while ago 
the best antidote to anxiety is gratitude. Scientific research shows that you cannot have anxiety and gratitude at the same time. You cannot have anxiety and gratitude at the same time. And there's no doubt that one of the journeys the Holy Spirit has brought me on is a journey of gratitude. And I've said to some of you, I know that I'm not 100% certain that when I get to heaven, God is going to say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. But I am absolutely certain he's going to say, well, I did appreciate your gratitude. (laughs) Because I spent half of my day thinking, I thank God I'm actually alive. Because way back then, in 1988, in 1989, I I could have topped myself. It's just possible that I might have had the courage to do it. But I didn't. So I'm very grateful that I'm alive. If I hadn't sought help and if the Lord hadn't come into my life in the way he did at the time, I know for sure and certain I would have walked out on my family because I was within a hair's breadth of doing it. And I would never have had the wonderful joy I've had in raising my two daughters and then seeing Ainsley with a miracle, two actually miracle daughters. Because she's got all the medical evidence to say she can't have children. She's got two beautiful girls. I'm cranky at God at the moment, of course, because he took them to America. I'm not really, because David's doing his assignment. And, and when you're on assignment, there's blessing all around. But I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful for that, that precious joy. And uh, there's a lot of other things I'm grateful for. But if I read out the list, we'd be here until half past two this afternoon. I can't do that because I've got to have lunch with Lauren. Um, but that makes such a difference. That makes such a difference. Now I'm telling you all this because it's only the Holy Spirit that did it. And what I want to do now is start going through those 31 points. Oh man, that's 30 seconds for each point. We'll see how we go, eh? I tell you. Right before the Holy Spirit came, if you go and have a look at Acts chapter 1, It's more or less a prelude to the rest of the book of Acts. But one of the main tasks the disciples had was to replace Judas. Remember Judas? He was that joker who kind of mucked everything up in a way by betraying Jesus, you know? He was a friend. Some friend, eh? Anyway, he was dead. So they had to replace him as a disciple. And they had a choice between Joseph, not Jesus' father, but another joker called Joseph, and uh, Matthias. And so they prayed and asked for the wisdom of God in that decision. I thought, well, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good pattern, a pretty good start for the work of the Holy Spirit. Then, of course, we move into Acts chapter 2. And we saw in that little intro to our worship this morning, on the day of Pentecost, there was a rushing wind, tongues of fire, And the disciples, those who had actually hung around in the upper room long enough, remember Jesus said, wait. He said, hang around for a few more days. Well, there was 120 who heard that. But by the time the Holy Spirit actually came, all these other ones had gone down the road to Macca's to buy a hamburger or whatever. You know what? They slacked off. So they missed it. You know? But anyway, the jokers who were still there, all of a sudden... They found themselves speaking in other tongues. Now, some of those other tongues were, in fact, other languages. I had a friend in New Zealand. 
he wasn't really into speaking tongues. And he said, oh, I had a, um, a friend, a Chinese friend, who went into the back of one of those Pentecostal churches and he heard some people speaking tongues. And I said, oh, was that all? He said, oh, no, it wasn't any good. They were swearing in Chinese. <laughs> Holy Spirit must have been cranky that day. <laughs> anyway, that's what he told me. But see, we, we got the evidence here. These, these people, the ones who waited, the ones who were committed enough to wait to do what Jesus said, they experienced this rushing wind. And there were literally tongues of fire. There could have been a tongue of fire on my head, eh? Like, burned away all the hair and it won't grow anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Someone told me they saw the glory on top of my head one day, so maybe that's when it all started. But they had these tongues of fire, and then they experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they started speaking in tongues. Now, one of the outcomes was people who didn't understand the language of the day, they actually got to hear the gospel. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but there's evidence elsewhere that tongues is not just speaking in a foreign earthly language, but we also have tongues as a what we call heavenly language as well, where we actually pray something we don't even know about because it's, it's prayer that's not going through our mind, it's not going through our soul. It's, it's a spirit thing, spirit to spirit. It empowers us. And you know, on that particular day, 3,000 people came to the Lord. See, the, the, the incidents of that first Pentecost, that's recorded there in Acts 2, verses 1 to 13. Remember Peter? Remember Peter? This was the guy who said, I'll never leave you, Jesus. No worries, mate. I'm here for the long haul. And what happened? When the long haul came, he ran away. He was frightened. He was really scared that something bad was going to happen to him. But after he was baptised in the Holy Spirit, he found the courage to stand and speak to the mockers. Right, the very ones he was frightened of. At the time that Jesus was crucified, he stands up, and he speaks. Read it. He delivers a brilliant oration. He quotes scripture left, right and centre. He interprets history. And he does it all according to the Lordship of Jesus. You know, he asserts Jesus is Lord. That was a radical thing. Because the authorities were trying to Get rid of the followers of Jesus. Right? They were seen as being the wrong kind of people. They didn't want them. They were seeking them out to put them in prison or to kill them. After this amazing, courageous oration, that's when those 3,000 were added. Like that. And remember, when he started speaking... His audience wasn't his friends. His audience was what the Bible calls the mockers. And yet, because of the Holy Spirit, 
Not only did he have the courage to stand up and speak, he spoke the truth and the truth won over 3,000 people that day. That's in Acts 2 verses 14 to 40. Then the believers, maybe the whole 3,000, I don't know, but the believers continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in prayer, in one accord. I love that. That expression, one accord, is one of the most common expressions that you'll find in the book of Acts up until about halfway through. That's, that's a record of the very early formation of the church. They're in one accord. Why? Because they're speaking the same gospel truth. They met in the temple. They went to the temple. They, they still held to the Jewish custom of going to the temple. They went to the synagogues. That was where they were taught. And then they met in one another's homes for fellowship. That's where they were taking communion. And they did it regularly, probably every day. They also held things in common, right? They looked after one another. They looked after one another. This, by the way, is not an invitation to communism, as some Christians have mistakenly believed. For example, they never sold their houses and held them in common because they continued to meet in one another's houses. But guess what? Because... They were speaking the truth. They were in one accord because they were together learning and praying. Guess what? They had favour with all people. Now, what does the Greek all mean? It means all. Pretty deep, isn't it? And the Bible also says people were added Daily to their number. The early church, man, it was a big revival. People were added daily. You got something to say, Duke? Oh, you just want to get closer. Sorry, I thought you might have wanted to say something. No, that's all right. No problem at all. So that's in, in Acts uh, 4, verse 37. And again, in, in um, Acts 5, 13. And a few verses after that. Isn't that amazing? These guys, they were just filled with the Holy Spirit. They held to the truth. They kept together and they had power and they had favour and people were continually added to their number. Then it gets even better. In Acts chapter 3, 1 to 11, we see miracles of healing. Wow, the miracles start. Miracles of healing. And uh, when you get to Acts 3, verses 12 to 26, again, Peter has another long sermon. But what does he do? He gives God the credit. Who's getting all the glory here? Who's not getting famous? Peter's not getting famous. God is getting famous. Man, this is amazing stuff. Then we go to Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. I'm only up to number 6. I've got 31, remember. <laughs> what? I need to hurry up. Yeah. Ah, mate, you'll want to stay here until two o'clock like me too soon. The next thing, in, in Acts 4 verses 1 to 7, the Bible says they maintained the faith. Guess what? This is all about persecution. By then, they were being persecuted. But guess what? They maintained the faith. It didn't make any difference to what they were doing. 
Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby, his advice to Christians in Victoria is keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Guess what? That's what they did here. Despite the persecution, they kept doing what they were doing. What were they doing? They were going to the synagogue for teaching. They were meeting in one another's houses for fellowship and for communion. They were in one accord. They were teaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't make any difference that they were being persecuted. How do you do that? Because of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can. You do it because of the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, here goes Peter again. Peter preaches again. The poor wimpy Peter who ran away when Jesus was being crucified. He has the courage and the wisdom again to stand up for the truth. Acts 4 verses 8 to 12. Things start getting a bit tough after that. Because the religious leaders in Acts 4 verse 13, they realised the disciples had been with Jesus. You know, that's just a little tiny verse. Oh, yeah. They figured it out. But hang on a minute. Jesus was the guy that they'd just crucified. They saw in the disciples people who were radically changed. And what they all had in common was that they'd been with Jesus. They weren't educated. They weren't important people. They weren't really leaders in their communities. They'd all been with Jesus. The religious leaders had to accept there was something about Jesus. That is massive. So what did they do? The religious leaders tried to silence Peter and John, who both spoke up for Jesus. Acts 4 verses 14 to 22. Right after that, the Bible records that upon returning to their companions, the companions rejoiced and they praised God. Well, things are really tough. Peter and John have been before the officials, the religious officials. They were remonstrated with. They were punished. When they get back to their companions, their companions never said, we're so sorry for you. What did they do? They rejoiced and they praised God because the truth was getting out. That's Acts 4, 26 to 30, 28 to 30, I think. Then the Bible goes on to say the place where they were meeting with their companions, where they had this reunion, was shaken. And funnily enough, it says again, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that might mean those who weren't there at the original infilling of the Holy Spirit, or maybe some of them got it again. I don't know. But the effect was they all spoke God's word with boldness. They all spoke God's word with boldness, Acts 4.31. Then we sort of change pace a bit in Acts 5 verses 1 to 11. That's the story of Sapphira and Ananias. Remember, they sold a field and lied about it. It was only a pretty little lie too, really, because they gave away most of the money. They just didn't divulge how much money they'd sold this land for. They both died. Don't fool with the Holy Spirit, eh? 
don't fool with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you, this is serious stuff. Most of you will know that um, Vision Christian Radio here in Australia, it was originally Radio Rima, and it came out of New Zealand. A long, long time ago now, Radio Rima was birthed in New Zealand. And there was a particular public servant who was kind of a gatekeeper. You had to have his permission, like to get a radio station going. And he said this, he said, that will happen over my dead body. And guess what? It did. It happened over his dead body. He died and the radio station got started. Don't ever fool with the Holy Spirit. It's that serious. You could die. Um, if it happened once, it can happen again. Right? I, Travis, I think you're okay. I just saw you were hanging on to him there, Jerusha. Like, you're safe in here, Travis, mate. Like, the Holy Spirit's not going to kill you. I promise. Unless you've done something really bad. Like, have you sold land lately? <laughs> anyway, but don't fool with the Holy Spirit. And that goes whether you're a Christian or not. Don't get in the way of God's plans. Not a good idea, because you could wind up dead. Well, after that, <laughs> like, can you imagine how people would have felt, the people who witnessed that? It wasn't really that big a lie either. But see, it was a lack of integrity before the Lord. That's what killed them. A lack of integrity before the Lord. Well, after that, the Bible records there were signs and wonders through the hands of the apostles. Now, in my original notes, I wrote by the hands of the apostles. The apostles. Now, I went back and carefully read the scripture. It doesn't say that. It says through. You know why it's through and not by? Because it's not our power. It's the Holy Spirit operating through us. Nothing that I do, nothing that you do. It's not our power. It's the Holy Spirit operating through us. Signs and wonders happened through the hands of the apostles. Many were added. Both men, And this is another interesting thing about the book of Acts. It often refers to both men and women. Totally radical for the day. Because women were nothing in that day. Women were just chattels. Typically, in those societies, women were just, that is, women, women were no different to pots and pans. But here, guess what? God has got a different idea. Men and women were added to this body that we now call the church. Acts 5, verses 12 to 16. So that was pretty good. And then guess what happens? The apostles start being imprisoned. Ha! Here's a good thing. An angel let him out. Hey, that's not too bad. You know what? If I go down to Victoria and pray for someone and go to jail for 10 years, an angel might let me out. <laughs> That'd be all right, eh? But then what happened? The angel ordered them to preach. Oh, heck, they got thrown in jail because they preached. Angel opens the door, lets them out and says, go and preach again. Guess what? They did. But they were rearrested. Well, what do you expect? You do the same thing wrong and you get rearrested. And they were taken before the council. This is the religious council. That's Acts 5, verses 17 to 26. Now, here we go. Peter again. This guy's got pretty bold, hasn't he? 
because of the Holy Spirit. I preached on this a couple of years ago on Pentecost Sunday. And it's important here to understand it wasn't just Peter. It says Peter and the other apostles preached to the council. <laughs> They're before the council. The council, are accused, the council are accusing them of breaking all these laws. Probably half of them they just made up five minutes beforehand. And what did they do? They preached. Acts 5 verses 17 to 26. Oh, sorry. No, it doesn't matter. I think that's on the next page. It's Acts 5, 27 through to 41. They preached. Listen to this. They said this. We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, that's not an excuse to do anything you like on the pretext that I'm doing it for God. What this is saying is when the laws of man are inconsistent with what's in the word of God, then you preach the word of God and don't preach the laws of men. You act on the basis of the word of God and not on the laws of men. It does, it's not an invitation to disobey or to defy or to dishonour government. We're called to pray for our government. We're called to obey our government. It's only when the government's own laws regulations and behaviours are inconsistent with the word of God, that is when we obey God rather than men. They spoke truth. Uh, Gamaliel was persuaded they were who they said. Now, he was one of the jokers on the council. He wasn't converted, but he was persuaded that they were who they said they were. That is, they, they were disciples of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because he went back to the council. Like They sent these guys out while they had a private discussion. So they sent the accused people out of the, the room while they had a private discussion. And Gamaliel, he said to them, hey, listen, these guys are fair income. And he said, well, why don't we just let them go? We can tell them, listen, stop preaching all that stuff, but we're going to let you go. So that they were persuaded, the religious Leaders were persuaded by one of their own to let them go. But, of course, they beat them first. Right? They gave them a good hiding first. That's in Acts 5, verses 27 to 41. Guess what they did? They got a hiding. They were told, shut up! Don't tell anyone about this stuff anymore. What did they do? They kept on preaching the truth. Daily! In the temple. That was really dangerous. <laughs> they go right back. They preached the truth daily in the temple. And guess where else? In every house. Acts 5, verse 42. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Next. Now, the Bible isn't always sequential, by the way. So it's not necessarily a, a story that goes, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The next thing we find is the apostles applied the wisdom of God to establish a system of welfare administration for the widows. Remember the, the Greek, the Hellenists, they call them the Hellenists, they complained that the widows sort of weren't um, able to kind of get the welfare and so on. And um, I'll tell you what, if we applied the same, if we applied biblical standards of welfare, we'd have a pretty tiny welfare budget in Australia, not the massive welfare budget that we have at the moment. Um, it goes way, way, way beyond anything the Bible ever envisaged, but that's for another day, because that'll take me a couple of hours, and I'll probably get all riled up about that too. 
But this is, I think this is really cool because there was an issue. The issue was there were people within their midst who were suffering. They were poor because a widow had no means of support. I've talked about this before. Beyond prostitution, there was not much a widow could do in order to maintain her economic um, sustainability other than, than remarry. So uh, widows who were too old or whatever to remarry, they did need, and obviously biblically, they did deserve what we call today social welfare. But the whole system wasn't working too well. So they applied the wisdom of God and they established a system of welfare, uh, uh, sorry, of welfare administration for the widows. And it, I've often used this teaching management that you've got to set up good systems and good structures and that's a biblical thing to be doing. That's in Acts 6 verses 1 to 6. And, and you know, when all this was going on, preaching the truth, looking after the widows and the orphans and the sick and those in prison and all that sort of jazz, guess what was happening? The church kept growing. The church, despite the persecution, despite the opposition, the church kept growing. Acts 6 verse 7. Now Stephen, Stephen was the joker who was appointed to head up the whole sort of administrative system for distributing the welfare. The Bible says this, he was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. Next thing, the opposition, the opposition were not able to resist what Stephen unleashed. They couldn't stop it because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 6 verses 8 to 10. That's 18 just in case you're counting. Stephen is then hauled before the council and guess what he does? He preaches boldly. Like, this is like getting hauled up before a court full of judges and that. I'd be pretty scared. I bet I would have had diarrhea seven times before I had the... Like, this is a big deal. But what does he do? He boldly preaches the gospel. Acts 6, verses 11 to... <laughs> 6, 11 to 7, 56. It's pretty long. You should read it. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of prose anyway. It's worth reading just because of the words, let alone the power that there is behind those words. Guess what happens to Stephen? Come on, Helen, guess what he... What, <laughs> he got stoned! Not the kind of stoning that some people like. He got not... not, oh not, not the sort of stoned you might have done when you were young, right? He got killed! But it didn't stop him from speaking the truth. That's Acts 7 verses... 57 to 60. After all this stuff, this was when that bloke called Saul got so stirred up, he decided to move really seriously against Christians. He got stirred up to more persecution. He got permission from the religious leaders to go throughout the land and find Christians and lock them up. Guess what the Christians did? 
they kept preaching the truth of the gospel because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, Acts 8, verses 1 to 4. Oh, we're getting to verse 5 of Acts number 8 and we get introduced to Philip, another one of these disciples. He preaches in Samaria. What does the Bible say? Here he is preaching the truth boldly because of the Holy Spirit empowering him. Multitudes heeded him. How many is a multitude? It's got to be more than five, hundred. It must have been thousands at least. And the Bible, even Simon the sorcerer was persuaded by what Philip had to say. That's Acts 8 verses 5 to 14. Then Peter and John were sent by the apostles from Jerusalem down to Samaria specifically to pray for baptism in the Holy Spirit there. And it happened. Acts 8, verses 15 to 25. Philip and the Ethiopian. Remember Philip and his encounter with the Ethiopian um, eunuch? He was a high official in the, in the, the, um, the court of Candace. Really important fellow. And he, he had heard the message of the gospel. And he was searching the scriptures. He was reading the book of Isaiah. And um, Philip encountered him because the Holy Spirit had, had sent Philip on a journey on this road. Acts 8, verses 26 to 38. And at the end of that encounter, the Spirit caught Philip away from that road between Jerusalem and Gaza and transported him to Azotus. That's Acts 8, 39. That's a pretty decent way to travel, isn't it? He didn't have to call up a Uber. Holy Spirit just picked him up and moved him to another place. Acts 8 verses 39 to 40. Then the next thing we see in the book of Acts is this amazing conversion of Saul. Now he was only born around 5 AD. So he would have been less than 30 years of age when this happened. Quite a young man. What was Saul doing? Well, he set out for Damascus with letters from the religious leaders purposing to persecute Christians. He was, his job was to find them, round them up and make sure they all went off to jail. But Jesus appeared to him and he was converted. Acts 9 verses 1 to 19. Now, a good Bible trivia one, I, I was only going to save this up until next week, but I won't be here, um, not for most of the week. Um, he wasn't actually called Paul until Acts 13 verses 9. A lot, of, a lot of stories you hear says his name was changed when he had that encounter with Jesus. Well, it wasn't. And most likely he had the two names anyway. It was very common in those days for people to have two names. His Roman name, I think, was Paul. And he's not actually called Paul until Acts 13. And after that, he's Paul all the rest of the way through the Bible. Anyway, we move on. Next thing that happens, I mean, this happens in churches all the time because they start arguing among themselves now about circumcision because by now the gospel is being preached to the Gentiles, the people who are not Jews. So the church is kind of spreading out of Israel into the Gentile nations or the Gentile ethnicities. And so this big debate 
breaks out. And it kept on going for a long, long time about whether or not you had to be circumcised when you became a Christian because you had to do that when you became a Jew. Peter turns up again. And you've got to read this. He's so patient with them. Not like me. I definitely haven't got the patience of Peter. He patiently teaches them the truth. Gentiles don't need circumcision. right? If you're a Jewish Christian and if you want to maintain the Jewish tradition, fine. But circumcision has nothing to do with your salvation. And it's amazing how patiently he taught this. That's Acts 11, verses 1 to 18. And this comes up again later on in the book of Acts, the same kind of debate. And it's all about, do we keep to our traditions? Are the traditions necessary for our salvation or not? The answer is clear. They're not. They're not. So, we get past this this argument by now Christians are scattered they weren't called Christians yet by the way that comes in a little while but they were scattered all over what did they do they kept preaching they kept on preaching and what does the Bible say a great number believed why did they preach they were filled with the Holy Spirit they had a boldness they had a courage The Spirit gave them the words and the wisdom to share the truth. Acts 11, verses 19 to 29. By now, the church in Jerusalem had heard about what was going on. News had travelled. And they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. The Bible says he was a good man. He was an encourager. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible records a great many people were added to the Lord. Hey, here's a bit of a, a bit of a plan. Can we be good people? Can we focus on being encouragers? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Acts 11, verses 22 to 29. Well, Barnabas was having such a good time, he went and got Saul along. He was still called Saul. That's Paul, Saul Paul, right? He was still called Saul at the time. He and Barnabas actually built up a church in Antioch. And this was when followers of Jesus Christ were first called Christians. It was actually a derogatory term. It meant little Christs. And and it was actually used in derision, not in honour of the followers of Jesus. That's Acts 11, verses 25 to 26. Then something very interesting happened. um, The prophets visited the church and they warned of a great famine. It said this great famine was going to affect the whole world. The Bible records this. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the Jews in Jerusalem. And that's Acts 11, verses 27 to 30. So 
the indwelling of the Holy Spirit even led these people to generosity as they were able. There's nothing here they had to tithe or they all had to give a certain amount of money. But the Holy Spirit worked on their hearts. Even if they didn't put words to it, they understood that they were brothers and sisters with the Christians back in Jerusalem. And they determined that they would support them. Something about holding things in common, perhaps. Not clinging to what you have, but being free because of the Holy Spirit in you to be generous to those who are not doing as well as you. Yeah, there's a lot more. I'm only about halfway through the book of Acts. But I cannot help but be impressed by how radically changed was everybody who was filled with the Holy Spirit. The cowards found courage. Those who were terrified of public speaking were able to stand up and speak truth to the authorities. Regardless of the persecution, they continued to speak the truth. And guess what? People heeded them and numbers were added to the church. Do you think the Holy Spirit might want to do the same thing today? Even at the Gold Coast? Who do you reckon he might use to do it? He just might use us. But I can tell you this, it'll be a lot easier, and I've found this in my life, to do it when you know the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And that is what Pentecost is all about. It's the beginning of the church, and what kicked off the church in the first place was what we call baptism in the Holy Spirit when these people were given the ability to speak in other languages, they were given a supernatural courage, a supernatural wisdom, a supernatural capacity to speak the truth. And we see over and over and over again, they were in one accord because they were preaching the truth of Jesus. They met constantly for teaching and for fellowship. They took communion. They looked after one another. And the church grew. And it grew. And it grew. And ultimately it changed the world. Christianity has by far been the most civilising force on humanity. Nothing, nothing comes close to it. And you can look at any godless nation in the world today and have a look at what it's like to be someone who's not in power in one of those countries. I'll tell you the big difference is Christianity believes that individuals have value. That's why the Holy Spirit fills us as individuals. 
but we make a difference together. Isn't that good? See, God, God hasn't said to any one of us, it's your responsibility to take it all. We do it together. Holy Spirit enables us together to preach the truth, to go to jail, to be released, to continue to preach the truth. You know, I've heard lots of people preach out of the book of Acts and it's so easy to focus on all that good stuff. But guess what? There was a heck of a lot of persecution. But it never stopped them. Never stopped them because they were so filled with this Holy Spirit, so filled with power that it didn't stop them. Getting on a plane and travelling overseas, that's nothing compared to what these jokers did. And I have absolutely no doubt that the Holy Spirit will do exactly what he did back then, right now. So I'll tell you what, if you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, this is probably the best day of your life to do it. So you feel free to come out here and chat. And you don't have to talk to the pastor about it, by the way. I remember when I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, I was running along a beach near Clacton-on-Sea in the United Kingdom, about 90 miles is that northeast of London? I was just running along the beach and all of a sudden it happened. Man, I tell you what, I ain't never been the same since then. I was just running along the beach, man. They call them beaches. It's no sand, it's all gravel. It was actually Jaywick. Jaywick on Sands. We were living at the time in one of those, you know, the holiday villages? We were living in a holiday village and um, there was a beach. I used to go running along the beach and all, I just got whacked. Boom. With a pebble. Hey? <laughs> With a pebble. Yeah. With a pebble. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Absolutely. Anyway, it's a great experience. So if, you, if you're um, keen, by all means, come and chat with me. But I'll tell you what, all you, all you actually need is an openness and a desire and it'll happen. And it could happen at a time which is inconvenient for you or is even a surprise to you, but it'll happen. And you will know, you will know beyond the shadow of a doubt, a new empowering. I'll tell you what, Michael, last Sunday, it was Saturday night, God spoke to me and said, this is your time. This is your time. Only in my vision, I ran up and I grabbed it. I grabbed you so you couldn't say no. <laughs> but it's your time. It's your time. All right, we're over time. Way over time, according to the boss over here. So go and have some fellowship and enjoy some, uh, some morning tea, all right? God bless you. Aren't you glad I didn't try and do the whole book? I thought you did. Only halfway through. We'll finish it next year. Come here, Michael. I saw it. I saw it. Thank <laughs> you.